This is the Thoughtful Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Kendall of the notaballerina.com travel blog. Every episode, I'll share travel tales from several fellow travel lovers, and together we hope to entertain and inspire you, remind you of some of your own great travel experiences, and encourage you to hit the road again soon. Hello and welcome to episode 297 of the Thoughtful Travel Podcast, Travels to Iraq. This is a country I have not ever really thought about going to. Obviously, it's a place I've heard a lot about in the news over the years. Uh, Sadly, usually in war-related ways or almost exclusively. But I am chatting with two people today who have spent a fair bit of time there as tourists. Before we begin, I'd like to pay my respects to the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation, where I am recording this podcast today on a cloudy, cool, wintry day. I won't complain, I know there's plenty of colder places in the world than Perth. Anyway, until I chatted recently, a couple of weeks ago, with Julie Kaplan about overnight train travel in Iraq... Uh, This country had actually only featured once in the whole history of the Thoughtful Travel podcast. It's from quite a few years back when I chatted with Eva Vesterling in episode 157 about uncommon destinations. The difference is that Eva was there for work, but my guests today were just travelling as tourists. Uh, Perhaps that's something that is starting to emerge, although I did check the travel advice from the Australian government. It's still at that very high do not travel alert. But nonetheless, it was super interesting to chat to my two guests today about their recent trips there. Julie Kaplan starts off by discussing more about her trip to Iraq and reminds me that one of our biggest lessons from travel can be that we all actually have so much in common. One of my favorite moments in Iraq was American Thanksgiving. And it's So it's November, and this was my first ever Thanksgiving away from home, um, uh, from my home in California. And at this time, I was in a a city called Hilla, which is right next to the ancient city of Babylon. And I was having a cookout with probably five to six friends that I had recently met. And I I was a little bit down. I was a little bit sad because I knew that my family was celebrating thousands of miles away. And I was having dinner with locals and I, I asked them, I asked everybody who was sitting outside at the barbecue with me, something that they were thankful for. And this is a tradition that we have at home in California. And I figured, let me ask it, let me ask it to the, to the, to the room. Their answers were just something that I didn't expect. And what they had said was almost identical to what the answers are every year at home. And it was, and so the Iraqis had said, I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for God. I'm thankful for my education. I'm thankful to get to spend this wonderful evening with my friends. I'm thankful for my work. I'm thankful for my significant other. It's, it was just this moment where, I think at home, before I had gone to Iraq, I had assumed that the people there would be really different from the people that I have at home because they're raised across the world. They've had such a different upbringing. But as I was sitting with this crop of new friends on Thanksgiving night, and they had talked about how their values and experiences 
And what they were grateful for was just so similar to myself and my friends. That was a really, really special moment. That is super special. I think that um, those moments where you are reminded again that we are all so, so similar, uh, even though we think there's all going to be so many differences as we travel, I think that's one of the best parts of travel in general. Um, I'd love to know more about why you chose to go to Iraq. So the context for my trip to Iraq was that I was taking a, a few years off of university because I wasn't very interested in Zoom, what I, what I call Zoom University during the pandemic. And the first year I took off, I was working. And then the second, I spent traveling. My trip wasn't exactly totally planned out, but I, was tra- I, I traveled to Central Asia. I traveled to some of Europe. And I've always been really interested in the Middle East and specifically in the Kurdistan region because I've read lots about the Kurds and, and I knew based on prior knowledge that the Kurdistan region, specifically of Iraq, was known to be very safe. Tourism has been open for a while and I didn't have any, I didn't really have any hesitation about visiting there in terms of a security threat. So I, I visit Erbil, which is the capital of Iraqi Kurdistan. When I arrived, I was just so shocked and overwhelmed by everything that I saw. There was this is a city, and ultimately, ultimately, when I traveled through the Kurdistan region, this is an entire region where the everywhere I went, people offered to host me, a solo female traveler. Um, people invited me in for chai. The cuisine was incredible. There was uh, multiple times a day, whoever I was hanging out with just got up to dance with one another. And there was music and history and everything that I look for when I travel, I found in this region. And I had only expected to spend a weekend, a long weekend, maybe a week, and only in Kurdistan. But, but when I was there, a lot of the locals had encouraged me to go visit federal Iraq. Um, so to visit Baghdad and Mosul and Basra and Nasriya and all of the cities in Iraq proper. And I... I was really hesitant, Amanda. I, you know, out, most of the media I had consumed about Iraq had been relating to war and terror. Mm-hmm. Is this, was, was it a safe place for me? And a local had said, Julie, it's not what you think. Fly to Baghdad, spend a weekend there. And if you ever feel unsafe, go fly to Turkey. You can leave, but trust me. I, I did my research. I asked locals and I was really heavily encouraged to go and I went and I I ended up spending four months in the Kurdistan region and Iraq. And I visited every major city from Mosul in the very north to Basra in the very south and pretty much everything in the middle. I, I was just every step along the way. I was overwhelmed and in awe and I really got to experience so much of Iraq. And that that was a pretty long-winded answer to say that I I did not expect to spend as much time as I did in Iraq, but I'm so thankful that I did as it became one of the great adventures of my life. Tell me, like, if you try to convince someone else to go, what are the kind of two or three key reasons someone should go to Iraq? If I were to narrow it down to three key reasons why somebody should visit Iraq, I would say, first, the people, second, the cuisine, and third, the history. And I'll quickly dive into each. So number one, the people in Iraq are some of the warmest in the world. 
Let me tell you a quick story. At one point in my travels, I got pretty sick with a really bad cold and stomach flu. I was staying with a family and I had asked, I was in, I was in the Hilla and I asked my host family, I said, hi, can you please direct me to a hotel? Because at least in the US, in general, if you're sick at somebody's home, it's not really polite to say you want to go and isolate yourself and not get anybody else sick. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm talking to the host, the hostess, and I say, hi, can you please let me know where a nearby hotel is? I don't want to get you sick. I don't want to get your family sick. My hosts almost were insulted. They had said, absolutely not. Why would we, you're sick and you need care. Why would we send you away? And they, the family I was with very much nursed me back to health. They looked over me. They, one of the children of the house gave up their room so that I could recover, which again, I tried to refuse. I tried to refuse. I tried to refuse. And they (laughs) really insisted. And I had soup and I had so much love and warmth and care. And I was, I was sick and I I did not have anything to offer, but I, I tell this anecdote just to say that the people of Iraq, I was, I was just so in awe of how, how kind they were and how warm and how welcomed I felt. So if somebody wanted to visit Iraq, first, I would say the people. Second, I have to mention the cuisine. Iraqi cuisine, 10 out of 10, world class. Um, there, I, I particularly, particularly loved the food in Mosul, which is informally known as the food capital of the country. Uh, my favorite dish there is called laham ba'ajin, which is, it almost looks like a pizza, but it's a circular piece of cooked dough with meat on top. And you can put an egg on it as well. And it's spiced and delicious. There's just so much cuisine, so many desserts at every, at every family's home I went to, there would be kind of elaborate meals and really the center of Iraqi life is around eating and around meals and mm-hmm. it's where a lot of socializing happens there's a lot of community and the cooking I think just the cuisine there is really taken seriously and mm-hmm. so many people have mastered the craft so that's number two the third reason why somebody should visit Iraq is just the immense amount of history we are in Sumeria we are in Babylon I mean this is the cradle of civilization there's just everywhere you go there's so much history. I was, I, I, I'm a history buff. I love going to ruins. And in this country, a lot of them are really well preserved because not that many people have visited them over the years. This isn't mm. a place where so, a, a large number of tourists come and sometimes too many tourists can corrupt or damage mm. historic sites. But at least in my experience in Iraq, a lot of them were really well maintained. I just loved learning about history. Yeah. And it's a, a traditionally a religiously and culturally, culturally diverse place. And I just really, really was impressed. Mm. Oh, I mean, you've sold me. I'm very, very intrigued. From a security safety point of view, did you always feel safe? Or were there things that, you know, you would say this is important? Or I think safety is a really important aspect of travels anywhere in the world, but specifically Iraq. And if I were to give advice to a tourist who is thinking about Iraq, visiting Iraq and things that they should look out for, I would say, first, it's important to avoid more rural areas. 
in Iraq, I very much stayed to all of the cities. Um, and to be fair, not all of the cities are massive. Some of them are more kind of like towns. It's recommended not to go kind of take a car and go to strange places of the desert. So in general, I stayed around where people are. The second piece of advice I would give to somebody thinking about security is to avoid any, well, to always read the news and make sure you're up to date with the current geopolitical situation in the country. In my travels, I always avoid any protests that are occurring or any kind of large gatherings of people. And in my, tra in my travels to the country, I largely followed those two rules and mm -hmm. did not experience any, I, I never felt like I was in danger. So I am a, at the time I was a 22 year old solo female woman traveling largely by myself and I felt safe. And, and there were, you know, traveling in Iraq does have its challenges. For example, to travel from city A to city B to city C, there are checkpoints that you have to navigate which are which tend to be run by the Iraqi kind of military and or kind of uh, militias. So there are checkpoints that you have to get through, but in and sometimes those did take a while as a tourist. But in general, they took a while because they wanted to make sure I was in the country for the right reasons mm -hmm. and to try to keep me safe. I would say Iraq, like any other country, you have to be careful. Um, you have to always have your wits about you. And to make sure that when you're traveling with others, they're trusted people. But in general, as a solo traveler, I felt 99% of the time extremely safe. So much of interest there. I would highly encourage you to watch some of Julie's videos. She's made a series of YouTube videos about her four months in Iraq. And I'll leave a link in the show notes. Uh, but you can also just look for her, Julie from LA, on YouTube. Now, my second guest today is Jean Cheney, and she went to Iraq recently on a small group trip organised by a blogger that she'd known for years. Um, she's not usually a uh, group trip uh, person, but decided that this one to this very interesting destination sounded like a good idea. The Iraq trip itself was just bizarre, like fascinatingly bizarre. So first of all, I didn't tell many people in Australia I was going which is really odd because normally you almost want to have like a brag when you're going to a new destination or a fun destination or you're just getting to actually leave the country post-COVID. Um, but the people that I did tell, the reaction was really negative. Interesting. Like as in, oh, it's dangerous or? Yeah, it's dangerous. Why would you go there? You really shouldn't be going there. And I just didn't need that kind of extra level of stress going. I had a few quirks like trip planning quirks along the way, like flight cancellations, travel insurance issues, all those kind of things that normally as an Australian who travels on an Australian passport, it's not it's not that difficult for us to get places and get into places and buy things like travel insurance. Mm. To say like the stress levels on the way over were just ridiculously high, like mm. full flight, flight the entire time, got on my planes, did my, you know, long hurl trip around the world and, you know, arrived in Iraq at I think about 11 o'clock at night in, into Baghdad airport. So it's it's the first thing you see as you are flying into Baghdad airport is how huge the city of Baghdad is. Mm. That for me was the first eye-opener. I didn't have a lot of you know, ideas about what Baghdad would be like as a city, I had deliberately not done research on Iraq because as someone who studied a lot of international relations and development throughout my uni life, 
I knew how bad things had been in different places. I had, you know, friends who have served over there, family members who had served over there, and I didn't want to have those negative connotations and the fear-mongering from Western media in my mind when I landed. So the shock of just, it's probably about 20 or 25 minutes, which doesn't sound too long when you think about like how far you travel to get to some places, but as you're cruising into Baghdad and, and you just see lights and they're just this really like mellow white color it's not like a big bright city where there's lots of you know big football stadiums or you know big high-rise buildings and you're just seeing these yellow like really mellow lights and you just sit there and you're like oh we've got to be getting there soon and it just keeps on going and going and going that to me really did symbolize the resilience of the Iraqi people like when you think about everything that they've gone into that, you know, again, I'm not an academic on these things, just so much drama has gone on in that country in the mm. last 20 years, I think we can safely say. And then you just see this city that is big and beautiful and is just sprawling and is refusing to take no for an answer. And you get that feeling as you touch down and Baghdad Airport is quite beautiful as well for a smaller airport. And it's just the things you don't expect. You know, you don't expect to go to a country like Iraq to do a visa on arrival, which is similar to a lot of countries I've been to in Southeast Asia and across South America. It was no different for that. Hmm. So it's from the moment you step onto Iraqi soil, you go, wow, this is just going to be an adventure of a lifetime. It's one of those countries where I wonder if I will ever go. And so when I saw you were there, I was like, oh, I so want to know more. And it's a fascinating place to go as an Australian. So I went on a group tour, which is, again, something I normally wouldn't do. A friend of mine runs them in Iraq. She went first in 2021, has paired up with a local tourism operator there who's absolutely fantastic as well. This was her fourth group trip to Iraq. A small group, right? Small group, yeah. We were the largest group she'd ever had of 14. The average sort of age was late 20s to early 40s as well, which I think makes a very big difference mm. when you're travelling to somewhere like Iraq. Mm -hmm. At no point did I feel unsafe with where we were. And it's like if, if you've been to the Philippines or you've been to other places in Southeast Asia, there are armed guards at your hotel. Like if you're mm. staying at a reasonable level hotel, there are armed guards there checking for you know bombs under cars and all that kind of stuff. To me personally, I didn't feel there was any difference between right. going to Iraq. Um, Iraq was just fascinating on the safety front because you do go through checkpoints you know, as you're okay. going through different cities and some of the checkpoints you turn up and you're dealing with three different levels. You may have local police, local army, and then local militia. You may go somewhere that has an unofficially but officially approved militia so that control the area. And people kind of said to me, like, wasn't that really scary? Wasn't it really daunting? And it's like, well, no, not really, because A, you're not doing anything wrong. And B, if you think of it, and the way it was explained to us by our tour guides was they're there for your safety as well. So yeah, you'd go to a checkpoint, your passports would be handed over. And again, depending like where we were and what level we were going through, sometimes you know, the guards took photos of your passports and then they WhatsApped it to the next checkpoint. So you go, okay, you've got 15 people on your bus here. You're going into a, a, a city or an area, might have been like a historical site, and then as you come out and you go to the next checkpoint, the next checkpoint is expecting there to be 15 of you. Then they would confirm that, yes, there's 15, the passports we've been sent match the passports that you've got here. Occasionally they would come on and just want to see, like, mm -hmm. that, that, yes, that's what we had because we're on a big bus. And then you were just sent on your merry way. I'm very curious to know, so obviously you went to some really, really interesting tourist spots, did you have a favourite or, you know, or favourite kind of outing that you did? The eating was fantastic. Iraqi mm. people are amazing with food. 
it's not spicy, but the size and the portions and the generosity. Every time we got to eat something different, it was just fabulous. And having tea with people was amazing. Mm. Um, probably the hardest part for that was trying to pay people because, you know, you'd be in a marketplace or you'd be somewhere in a falafel, which I wouldn't generally eat in Australia, but getting it there fresh off a cart on a street, talking to someone about their story and sharing your story. And then you're paying not even a dollar Australian. And the generosity of the people being like, oh, no, like, don't worry. You know, we're just we're really glad to have you here and stuff. And you're like, I get that. And I love that feeling. But the other thing is I am here as a tourist to bring money in effectively. Mm-hmm. Please take my money, but not wanting to offend someone as well. So that was sort of that. That was always a difficult interaction everywhere we went. But for me, probably still my most favourite thing was being able to go into these ancient archaeological sites. Mm-hmm. There is one spot where we drove past the prison where, you know, they keep a lot of the ISIS prisoners in. So for about 45 minutes, you don't have phone coverage. You end up at the city of Ur, which I'm probably mispronouncing, at the Ziggurat, which is estimated to be like three or 4,000 years old. And they go, we can fairly confidently pinpoint that this is a location where the written word was created. So as a writer, you just sit there and you, you stand there and you're like, excuse me, what? Like on one side, I have this massive monument that you're protecting. There's a sandstorm coming. And then you're just dropping these facts about that, yes, we've found enough artifacts and there's enough historical records because the people in that part of the world keep amazing records to say, yes, this, this is where the first written word was created and where the modern day writing has come from and we, and we can prove it. We got the receipts. You're like, whoa. Wow. And that's all you can do is just go, wow. And every time you go to these historical sites, they're just like, oh, yeah, this one is expected to be, you know, between five to 6,000 years old. Mm-hmm. And, and you can walk through a lot of these, which to me as an Australian is so fascinating mm-hmm. because, yes, we do have as long and longer history here with our Indigenous populations, and, but you can't get near them for good reason because, you know, we want to conserve them. But, you know, there's, there's just such a different feeling when you can walk through these ancient sites. And some of the really eye-opening is Hatra, which is in the area of Mosul or Nevea, I think it was technically. ISIS set up there. And the theory behind that was, and we went to quite a few places where ISIS had based themselves in very significantly important historical landscapes because they go, the Americans aren't going to bomb here. Like politically speaking, you're going to ruin your war on us if you are destroying these sites that are three, 4,000 years old. Mm. So then you come to this juxtaposition of modern day history and ancient history. So you go through these beautiful sites and some of them, quite a few of them now are being refurbished with UNESCO heritage funding and whatnot. And there's ISIS graffiti and there's shell casings, and you can go into areas where you go, this is where they used it to practice, to teach people how to use guns and stuff like that. So you just go like this, just this smashing of modern history and ancient history and a country that is still recovering from both and trying to repair and remember both sides Mm. of their history Mm -hmm. at the same time. So a lot of places we went, um, we went to a Christian village, we went to a Christian church, that ISIS had tried to burn down and they've rebuilt it and the areas that were damaged but still standing, they've included in the building now so Mm. that people will not forget what happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really sort of eye-opening to see that because we don't get that side of Iraq in Western media. You don't see the conservation and the collection of the good versus the bad. 
Again, so fascinating. I'm really, I was just so intrigued to listen to both of these guests with their stories of Iraq. It seems the kind of destination I've never uh, never thought I'd even get to or, you know, wondered if I would ever have the chance to visit, but uh, perhaps one day. Uh, anyway, thanks so much for listening to episode 297 of the Thoughtful Travel Podcast. I want to give you some links so you can look up anything that uh, is of interest. First of all, you can find more about Julie at juliecaplan.com. And as I mentioned, do check her YouTube channel, uh, which is Julie from LA, for her Iraq videos. They're great. Uh, you can see more about Jean at her website, travelinghoneybird.com. And I just did want to mention that the uh, she went to Iraq with Janet's Journeys, janetsjourneys.com, uh, and they are running more trips to Iraq, so if, in case that's of interest. Um, and also, if you want to listen back to our other part on Iraq, go back to episode 157, uh, dot com slash 157, where you'll hear Ava talking about Iraq. All of these and other stuff will be in the show notes for this episode at notaballerina.com slash 297. And don't forget to come and chat. Perhaps you'd like to chat about uh, your own thoughts on Iraq in our Facebook group or our LinkedIn group. Just search for Thoughtful Travellers in either platform and you will find us there. As always, thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of the Thoughtful Travel Podcast. Show notes and other information are at notaballerina.com slash podcast. Join me again soon for another chat about why we travel. Bye for now. Bye.